Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's uh, Charles W. Chuck Bryant. <laughs> A.K.A. 286-54-7523. Dude, you can't give out your social security number. I just made that up. I thought about that. I thought about, what if I like ended up when we were describing like what the different numbers were? <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, mine, mine happens to be this one. If you listen to the whole podcast, you could put together right. my social security number. And I was like, don't do that, Josh. Don't. We should probably beep out what I said anyway, because that might be someone else's social security number. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't want to be responsible for that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll go back and beep that out. That's okay. really some COA right there. Why? How what? do you know that that person would be like, yeah, stuff you should know just called me out serial number-wise? I won a contest. I can pay for my own hotel in Atlanta to go see the guys. <laughs> but just me. <laughs> so, um, Jerry liked that one. Yeah. Uh, so... Chuck. Josh. Uh, uh, do you know much about Social Security? A bit. You're about to. Chuck. Yes. Um, the Social Security Act of 1935, yes. created by our old-timey forebears, uh-huh. um, basically created a scheme, and not a scheme in the way of like a carbon trading scheme or something like that. I know you don't like that word, but it's a legitimate word. It doesn't necessarily mean something nefarious. Right. But uh, under this scheme, Social Security um, is given to retiring workers. Yes. In the mo- in the form of a monthly payment, where basically it says, "Hey, good job. You did a good job working. Go take care of yourself. We don't want you to die on the street." Sure. This should hopefully sustain you in your retirement years, right? This is before the the advent of four hundred one k's and the like. Right. This this thirty five bucks a month. Right. Well, the whole, uh, the whole basis of it is that the workers of today pay into the, um, so- social security fund mm-hmm. and it is immediately taken and distributed, dispersed to workers who have retired. Today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the workers of today are taking care of the workers of yesterday. That's right. the whole point to it. What this has led some people to claim that the social security program is nothing more than a Ponzi scheme, where you're taking the money right. of these people to pay off other people. Yeah, or socialism even. 
Oh, that's totally, totally different. It is socialism. Yeah, but people cry socialism a lot these days, and they don't think about things like Social Security and all the different ways we do have socialism that people are like, oh, that's fine. Right, sure. Yeah. But, well, but you can make a case that it is a Ponzi scheme. Sure. But Stephen Goss, chief actuary for the Social Security Administration, would take uh, issue with that. I'm sure he would. He would say it's not a Ponzi scheme because a Ponzi scheme is not sustainable. Some might argue that Social Security is not sustainable, and that is, a, as we say here in the South, that's a whole nother show. Oh, okay. Well, I won't talk about it anymore. Then. Well, what, do you have some numbers on its sustainability? Well, um... We can chat about it. Here's the thing. So if you, if you just, if you had zero population growth, this thing would work forever. Right. Right? And it would work completely efficiently with no changes whatsoever. Unfortunately, we don't have zero population growth, and we actually had a spike in population that we know of as the baby boom. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Which means that very shortly, and starting now, I think, um, more there will be way more retired workers than there are workers. Right. Which means that the workers of today are going to have a far greater burden placed on them taking care of these retired workers than any other workers ever have or will. Right. But Stephen Goss, chief actuary for the Social Security Administration, says this will eventually work itself out. The government's taken steps to address this. And what it's done is raise the amount of money that people throw <laughs> into this. And they're taking the extra money. And the government is buying treasury bonds, investing yeah. in itself. Now, here's the weird thing. When they come mature, these yeah. bonds, the government pays these things off with other tax money. So the government is going to pay the Social Security fund back with other tax money. Yeah. Now, this will drive people crazy. Conservatives, libertarians. Um, liberals. Right-leaning liberals, right? Fiscally conservative liberals especially. But Stephen Goss assures us it's just a little bump. We're probably not going to have another population spike for a while, and Social Security will go right back to normal. It just stinks yeah. for us right now. Right. The other thing that I'd never really thought about is it could not have been a sustainable program even to begin with because you start Social Security in, when was it, 1935? Yeah. People started getting paying, paid out you know, a year later, two years later. Uh-huh. And so they weren't paying in that long. So immediately you've got a problem on your hands because- People are starting to get payouts that didn't pay in for 20 years. You well, know what I'm saying? N- yes, that is the case. But the payouts were smaller at first. Yeah, but, but it still creates a bit of a wrinkle, I think, that would, a wrinkle in time for the future. I, I agree. I would think so. But it was a hump that had to be gotten over and it was gotten over. Like the, basically sure. the first people just got screwed. Yeah, well. Well, but they didn't pay in that much either though, so. No, and that's true. So they were rightly screwed. Okay. So let's talk about the history of all this, Chuck. And and by the way, I guess the takeaway from that intro, Social Security is considered a what? A Ponzi scheme. There you go. <laughs> I think people are just in there like, say I know. Uh, all right. Well, you already you already blew the uh, the big secret there. So, uh, the Act of 1935. <laughs> um, it was coined. The name Social Security was coined by Abraham Epstein. Yeah. Um, who led the American Association for Social Security. Yeah. And they began paying out in 37, like you said. Yeah, the just, first... Just for workers, right? In it was the, the, the biggest wage earner of a household, basically the dad. Right. Um, got the money. As the retiree. Yeah, and it was a lump sum. 
Right. They didn't pay it in monthly uh, uh, buckets back then. Tell, tell them what the first guy who got Social Security got, his, his lump sum. Yeah, his lump sum was, uh, was it 17 cents? <laughs> yeah. In January 1937, he was the first guy to get uh, Social Security benefits. And I looked it up. That's $2.55 in 2010 money. Oh, well. So even back then, he was just like, hey, federal government, I got something in my pocket for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Josh just made an obscene gesture. <laughs> we should just say that. Um, in 1939, just two years later, they added survivor's benefits and uh, benefits to spouses and children. Uh, flash forward to 56, they added disability benefits. 65, uh, Medicare was signed into law. Yeah. And in 61, the... Uh, I'm sorry, in 6162, the Civil Service Commission and the IRS adopted the Social Security number as your official federal ID number and taxpayer ID number, right. respectively. Which is a uh, kind of a thing because the first Social Security cards specifically said on them not to be used as identification. Yeah. But they never made a follow-up law to enforce it, and right. so everybody's like, no, this is perfect for identification. Yeah, I'll always, I'll always remember it because yeah. of this card in my wallet. We'll use the mark of the beast as identification. <laughs> um, the first uh, numbers, because this is not just about Social Security, but more about the numbers, which is more interesting than I thought. S- slightly. Yeah. Um, it was uh, They were distributed through the post office because they didn't have field offices yet. So It was nascent. Yeah, 45,000 post offices took the initial task to uh, type up these cards. They were called typing centers. Yeah, so basically, this is um, this is what I this is the part I entitled bureaucracy ho, right? Yeah, the Social Security um, Administration contacted all employers in the United States and said, "Hey, uh, this is a form SS4." Mm-hmm. And on it, you just list the number of employees you have working for you and mail it back to us. And so all the employers filled out, I have 15 employees, mm-hmm. and then mailed the SS4 back to the Social Security Administration. Social Security Administration opened up the SS4s, and they said, <clears throat> okay, this employer has 15 employees. So we're going to mail him 15 SS5 forms, which are basically signing up for your Social Security number. Yeah. Right? So they mailed the 15 back probably in one package to the employer, and the employer distributed them among his employees. Mm-hmm. The employees filled out the SS-5 forms, and they sent them back to the Social Security Administration. <laughs> the Social Security Administration said, oh, okay, uh, now we have these, and we're going to assign Social Security numbers, right? Right. The um, They said, hey, go to your post office. The post office gave them the Social Security numbers. The post office then sent that duplicate form to the Social Security Administration, who created the master file of all of these documents put together, which was your Social Security number file. And that was sent to Maryland? Yes, and then in Maryland is where it all came together. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Uh, Well, what came together there? The, The numbers, the numbering sequence? The whole thing, your whole file. Okay. The block, the block file. That's right. So let's talk about the first numbers since okay. we're there. Who has it? And is it zero zero one zero one zero 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 one? Is that the first number? No. Well, we should first say that no one knows for sure who got the very first card and the very first number because they um, they reckon about several hundred thousand people applied yeah. in that first uh, November uh, 
1936. So I didn't do the math, but there some I'm sure you could figure out statistically, and I'd be interested to hear how to do this. But um, if a hundred thousand people all got their card that day, yeah, and the post offices were open from like eight to five, sure, how many people were handed their social security number card? Mm-hmm. Um, simultaneously that day. Right. How many first people were there? There's got to be some awesome math equation to figure that out. Yeah. Somebody should do that for us and send it in. <laughs> right. um, so they don't know officially who it was, but their first official record, uh, they do know. Um, it was a guy named John David Sweeney Jr., and he uh, had the Social Security number 0550900001. And by O, I mean zero, of course. Or ought. <laughs> and he got his because the uh, head of the Social Security Administration took it off the top of a stack yeah. and said, this is the first one. That's right. So there you go. But they did offer that to, um, oh, no. They I'm offered sorry. the 001 number, the lowest number. Right. On record. Right. Before we get to there, though, John David Sweeney ironically died before he could collect his uh, Social Security payments. John David Sweeney's the one with the first Social Security number, so that is very ironic. It is. That's the fact of the podcast, if you ask me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because retirement age was 65, and he died at 61. <laughs> yeah. Uh, today, they handle it differently. It's a little confusing, but actually, it's not that confusing. You just have to be good at math. Uh, benefits are reduced by five-ninths of 1% mm-hmm. for every month you retire before the age of 65. Slacker. Yeah. Or rich person. Yeah. Good for you. So, um, so back to the number one, oh, 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 one or whatever. Yeah, the all-time low number holder, uh, who always will be until we start recycling numbers. If we ever need to, we won't. We may. Her, we may. Her name is um, Grace D. Owen. Uh-huh. She is of Concord, New Hampshire, or Concord. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, because we always get mail from people. It's like, oh, you pronounced it Nevada. It's Nevada. Or if we say Nevada, they say, hey, you pronounced Nevada incorrectly. It's Nevada. No, it is Nevada. But I tell everyone that writes in from Nevada, only people from Nevada say Nevada. Everyone else says Nevada. Right. Especially people in Missouri. (laughs) All right. Game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, um, Chuck, uh, Grace D. Owen of Concord, New Hampshire, got the lowest number, 001-01-0001, was her social security number. It was. Um, And she got that not because she was first in line, as we've said, a different guy got that low number, uh, or a different guy got the first number and it wasn't low. Um, she got it because of where she lived. Originally, the number scheming was based on, well, the first two numbers were based on the state you lived in. Right. Um, and Starting then, northeast, moving westward. Right. And so you had less than 50 possible primary numbers, the first two, sure. first three numbers. Yeah. Well, not even, they didn't even have 50 at the time, did they? No. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So this is a total waste of digits. They right. figured out very quickly. So they started assigning them to zip codes instead. Right. And we should talk about these numbers. Do you want to? Or are we there now? Well, we are almost there. But um, you didn't mention that Grace Owen got that number. They actually offered it as an honor to um, John G. Winnett, the uh, Social Security Board Chairman, and John Campbell, the uh, Federal Bureau of Old Age Benefits <laughs> rep for Boston, they offered them both the number 00101000001. And, and they, they both, both said, no. No, thanks. We are true bureaucrats, and that would be against the bureaucracy's rules. That's right. And 17 cents to Ernest Ackerman, the first guy to get a payment. Yes, but um, Ida May Fuller made out like a bandit. This is exactly the problem. This is not the problem. <laughs> Mrs. Fuller did good things with her money. She bought she, herself an Edsel. Yeah. Um, she uh, invested in um, uh, uh, Webvan. <laughs> she did great things. She did. Um, so uh, Ida Mae Fuller retired in November of 1939, and she was the first person to start collecting monthly benefits. That's right. So by the time she, by the time Social Security payments, or by the time you had to start paying them, because another fact is that you can't opt out. Yeah. Um, And the time she retired, she contributed a total of $24.75. Yes. Because of the Social Security scheme, um, by the time she died at age 100 in 1975, she collected a total of $22,888.92. See? Not sustainable. She made out. She wore like a bandana around her face like the <laughs> the, the rest of her life. She did? Yeah. She was a Social Security bandit. Yeah. Okay. Back to the numbers. Is so, that enough history? I, I think so. Okay. Um, so the, the first three numbers, they're called what? The area numbers? Yes. And like you said, they were originally from northeast to west. So like if you were if you lived in New Hampshire, um you your first three numbers were gonna be zero zero one. Then they figured out that well that's stupid. Like we're right. gonna have fifty states top, so there's a whole number that we're not using. Yeah. Eventually we're gonna need it because social security numbers aren't recycled. They're retired after the person dies, right? That is true. So then they started assigning them to zip codes. So that started using up a lot more numbers, right? 
Yeah, zip code on the mailing address on the application form, which didn't necessarily indicate your residence. It was just wherever the mailing address was where you applied. Right, exactly. When you were living, uh, right. And it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, mailing and residence is not the same address. Most times it is. Sure. But even still, like the place where I was born, it's not where I live now. Oh, yeah, not even close. So, right. So, I mean, you have a lot of um, weird numbers for the beginning. Correct. Um, in the early 70s, since 72 is when they started the zip code. Yeah. So I believe that I actually am one of the last years uh, since I was born in 71, last people to get uh, the one based on the state. Cool. So I'm old timing. Seriously. Mm-hmm. That is something. Yeah. Um, the next two numbers are group numbers. So you have your area number, and then the area number is broken into groups, 0, 1 through 99. Yeah, and this makes sense. So the the two numbers in the middle are the you are that group of that zip code or that state, depending on how old you are. Yeah, it was just a means to break it up and make it simpler for accounting and filing and all that stuff. Right, because instead of... Um, just one group sure. from an area or what, uh, 999 possible areas. Yeah. You now have 99 groups of 999 possible areas, 99 right. groups each. Yeah. Which allows for a lot more because the, the eight ball that the social security number, um, is always behind is basically running out of numbers. I don't think that'll happen. It will. There, well, eventually, but there's, what what they say, a billion combinations? There's a billion combinations, but consider this. There's been more than 400 million numbers issued since 1935. Yeah. So what, uh, 65, 77 years. Yeah. Right? I have a feeling that it does take into account the baby boom. Sure. That ate up a lot of numbers. But, I mean, I have a feeling that we could we could reach that in, what, another 100 Hundred years, the U.S. will be around. I'm sure longer than then. Hopefully, hey, you never know. Yeah, China is rising. Well, it'll be <laughs> at the very least not in our lifetime. Oh no! So who cares? I would have agreed with you had you qualified it like that. Yeah, well, what they'll probably do is, um, and I'm guessing here, but they'll probably start reassigning numbers mm-hmm. from dead people, which will be weird. A used Social Security number. Yeah, I imagine they'd go back. I mean, it would make sense to me that they would start from the beginning again, almost. Yeah. So, like, you're using someone's number from 1935 in the year 2114. Like yeah, you got a stinky old mothball number. It's like a wicker um, wicker wheelchair or something like that. <laughs> or, like, leather leg braces. Something <laughs> weird like that from the 30s. What are you talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. The last four digits are the serial numbers. And uh, they number consecutively from 0001 through 9999. So that's just saying, well, we're going to extend the number, the possible numbers we can come up with. Exactly. Even more. To a billion. And you know what? You don't even necessarily have to recycle. Even if you add like an extra, a tenth digit, how much would that change everything? (laughs) I mean, they'd have to rewrite all their programming and all their... Accountings and filing yeah, but then we wouldn't have to recycle numbers. Yeah, good point. Okay, they so have, luckily they have people much smarter than us deciding how to handle that. I don't know. We're pretty sharp. All right, Josh. Common questions. These are actually pretty good. Okay, Chuck. Here's a question for you: Does everyone have to have a social security number? If you're over 18, then yes, you do. Um, and you, and if you receive an income and you're over 18. 
Okay. Um, if you're interested in starting up a bank account, uh, being a deduction on your parents' income taxes, yeah. all sorts of things like that, Medi- getting medical coverage, taking uh, advantage of government services, then you're going to need that. So there's a lot of people who dispute that, that you have to have that. Right. Practically speaking, you do. Like any bank can be like, I'm not doing business with you. And then you say, oh, okay, well, I, I can't force you to by law, but I'll try your competitor. And you go on down the line and maybe you find a bank. From what I understand, there's banks that are set up in the Midwest um, for people who don't have Social Security numbers. Really? Like who have said, I, I'm not going to have one. I don't trust the government. I don't want to have a serial number, and I'm not going to, to have this. No, but they're still paying in? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think they're still paying in, but they don't have a Social Security number. So that means they're not going to get benefits at the end. I don't think they think they're going to get benefits anyway. I, I get that. Um, but yeah, they don't have a Social Security number. I think there are there are people who don't pay Social Security as well. There's oh, really? like a whole yeah, there's that's like a whole topic o- along the fringe of whether or not you need to have one, whether or not you actually do have to pay in, the constitutionality of it, all that stuff. But for right. all practical purposes. Your life is exponentially easier if you have a Social Security number. Right. And you also said you have to pay because you can't tell the government, you know what? I'm setting up for my own retirement, yeah. and I want to take all the available money that I make to do that because my retirement plan is much better than whatever you yokels are working on. Yeah, because, I mean, if you you have to pay in 15.3%. I, I don't know if that's current. I haven't looked. Uh-huh. But as of the writing of this, um, this uh, article, it was 15.3%. Seven point six five percent paid by you out of your gross pay, uh-huh. and seven point six five paid by your employer. It is staggering how much we pay in taxes in this country. So if you took fifteen point three percent of your gross pay mm-hmm. and put it into a four hundred one k over the same course of years, you would have so much more money. Yeah, barring a, a another stock market catastrophe before you could get your money out of your four hundred one k. Right. Um. You would have way more than you have uh, from the Social Security Administration as, as benefits. You know what I meant to look up is if the government uses this money for other things in the meantime, or is it strictly like here it's in this little pool and all we're doing is paying people out with it? Well, supposedly before the baby boom problem arose, it was going in and right back out. Okay, and I'm sure any surplus was invested in Treasury bonds. Now, um. All of the surpluses invested in treasury bonds, which is just such a shell game. It's so crazy. And no one has any idea if this is going to work. I swear to God, I'm not paranoid. Yeah. I don't live in the Midwest. I'm not a fringe dweller. <laughs> I, this is not something I like. keep up with a lot. Um, I don't read WorldNet daily. There's nothing like that in my life. Yeah. But I'm telling you, this is like there. there's no guarantee that this Social Security, um, I guess, bandage for the baby boom population spike, yeah. if it's going to work. It's it's really, at the very least, it's interesting. Yeah, and the troubling, I would say, at the very least. Sure. Okay. Uh, they they let you, uh, they make it real easy for you to slap a number on your little brand new baby. Yes, do you have to have a number for your child? Well, like I said, if you want them to get medical coverage and um, 
open up a savings account in their name for like their future college or trade school or travels around the world. Or you want to claim them as a deduction on your um, tax filing. Yeah, then they, they're going to need one. And they make it pretty easy on you to get one for your new little uh, smelly baby. They do. Again, um, I'm not a fringe dweller, <laughs> but they have the very sinister sounding enumeration at birth program. <laughs> that that, that sounds was, pretty bad. Yeah. It was started in 1989 um, and basically it just made it very easy for you to get a social security number for your infant as part of their birth record forms. Right. Enumeration at birth. You know, I used to, I think I mentioned this before, I used to carry my card around in my wallet when I was a teenager because <laughs> yeah. I thought it was, I don't know, I thought it made me uh, legitimate or adult-like. It's interesting. Everyone else, is out, everyone else is out drinking, and I was like, no, no. I got my Social Security card. It keeps keeps the urges away. <laughs> That's right. Hey, speaking of Social Security cards and wallets, do you want to talk about that lady? Oh, yeah. Hel- I can't Hilda believe Schrader this. Witcher? Yeah, this in uh, 1937, mm-hmm. dude named Douglas Patterson had a wallet company. The oh, I'm sorry. E. H. Ferry. Yeah, he was the vice president and treasurer of this wallet company, and he said, you know what we should do? We should include a fake social security card in every wallet. But we'll make it look really, really realistic by copying yours, Secretary. Yeah. He basically assigned these little fake cards that, like, you know, you get a picture frame with a fake picture in it. Yeah. They gave out wallet or they sold wallets with a fake social security card with a real number. I don't know why he thought that was a good idea. Or why she went along with it. Yeah. What was her name? Hilda Schrader Witcher. She went along with this. Did I she go along with really her boss? Maybe she didn't know. No, she knew. Oh, she did? Yeah, um, and uh, I, I guess she didn't feel like she could assert herself at the time. But um, what, over 40 years, something like 40,000 people used her social security number? Yeah, they gave her a new one. Yeah, and people were still using it. As, as recently as 1977, there were 12 people <laughs> using that as their own because of this wallet. Yeah, in, in defense of the dude, he did have the word uh, spachemin. On the bottom of it. Spaceman? Specimen. Uh, but it was, you know, in small print, and it looked like the real deal. Uh, it had the little <laughs> emblem that, um, who was the guy who designed that? Uh, Fred Happel. That's right. And what else did he design? The Flying Tigers logo. Yeah. Which, what was that? Like a B-2 bomber logo? Well, I don't know. It was World War II. Uh, I guess uh, some sort of gunner plane or something. Okay. That'd be my guess. The Fighting Hellcats. Yeah. Funny. Hellfish. The Hellfish. The Hellfish was The Simpsons? Yeah. Okay. Um, Josh, can you get a new number? Yes, but only in very extreme cases. Like stalking? Like stalking or fraud? A bad case of fraud, I guess? Yeah, I would imagine that the FBI can probably get you one if you're part of the Witness Protection Program. Oh, sure. Which we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't have to pay for that. There's no fee uh, from the SSA, but um, you uh, what what you should be wary of is companies that claim that they can get you a new number to absolve your credit. Like, hey, have you led an awful bad life? Become a new person. We'll get you a new social security number. Which is hilarious if you think that that's that's crazy. Falling for that. That's yeah. like buying an elevator pass. In high school, <laughs> as a freshman or something like that, yeah. except way worse. When you have a single-floor high school? Because I'm sure they're like, 
not only do we charge you a fee, but give us your social security number because we have to go in and like make sure that it's wiped out. Right. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, where are we here? Uh, you know, the title of this section was, Why Does It Matter If Someone Knows My Social Security Number? I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Identity theft. Yeah. It's a big problem these days. Back well, in the old days, it wasn't as much. It's actually gone down since this article. Uh, what, 400000 a year is what they said here, right? It's like 217 now. Oh, that's good. Well, that's the ones that the FTC gets reports of, which are probably the lion's share of them. Right. But it was supposedly increasing like by some crazy percentage. Yeah, 40% per year. It's, it's up 11%. Okay. So it's gone down some. I think people have just gotten scared of it and more wary about it. But, um, I mean, it's still obviously a pretty big problem. Sure. Part of the problem, though, is that... We shouldn't be using social security numbers for identification for a reason. They're yeah. just way too publicly available. Even the last four digits, um, don't use that as like your PIN number. No, but I mean, even if somebody asks you your last four digits, how many people have your last four digits? How many companies? Do? A lot. A lot. And they also have your birth date. Yeah. They also have where you were born, your mother's maiden name. It's just kind of like it's all out there. I know. And basically... There's no really good scheme to, I guess, use as, as a passcode, as a pass, uh, uh, basically a way of saying, I am me. Right. Because if we all just relied on some other number or something like that, then people could find that out. There's really no yeah. good way to do it. But um, social security numbers are definitely not the answer. Yeah, I always get a little creeped out when some business, you know, what are the last, like Comcast or something like my cable company. Yeah. We'll say, what are your last four of your social? And I'll spit it out, and they'll go, oh, okay. Right. You can say, I don't want to tell you. I want yeah. to answer everything else, and they'll they'll run you through your paces. But they know it because they're asking you for identifi- like, right. for verification. Exactly, because you've given it to them already. Um, you don't – There's a, basically, most companies don't have any legal right to ask you what your social security number is. Right. But they can also say, well, we don't trust you. So if you don't give it to us when you open your account or whatever, exactly, then um, you're out of luck. Um, with government agencies, you can ask for the um, a Privacy Act of 1974 disclosure notice, which says like, hey, we have a legal right to ask you this or we don't. Right. And then you can say, you can't ask me that, bub. But, yeah. Um, all the protection advice I've given here is pretty basic. You know, don't carry your card in your wallet. Uh, <laughs> cancel credit cards you don't use. Don't share it. I, wait, I, not necessary. I dispute that one. What? Don't just cancel credit cards you don't use. There are things you should do, like keep an eye on your accounts, your credit card accounts, sure. even though you don't use them. But that's not necessarily good advice, especially credit-wise, because there's this thing called the um, available credit to um, debt ratio. Yeah. It's one of the ratios that they figure your credit score with. And if you have a clean credit card that you're not using yeah. that has like five or ten grand of available credit on it, sure. that counts. And that's that makes you very attractive to people who are selling you houses or cars or whatever. That's true. So don't necessarily go do that. Keep them in a safe deposit box. Keep an eye on all your accounts, even if you're not using them. Yeah. Boy, my credit rating is so good right now. That's awesome, dude. It's like top five percentile somehow. Oh, yeah? And that is, I say that as a testament to you out there who may have bad credit. You can repair it over time. Yeah, you you uh, you and Emily did good, huh? Uh, 
Well, yeah, she's the one that helped me get my good credit back. <laughs> That's good. As CFO. Congratulations, man. That's a big deal. Thank you. It is good. And my debts, you know, from the past were, I don't want to get into it, but they had less to do with me and more to do with like... Bookies, heroin, no, like dog fighting. Bad roommates and getting screwed over by, you know, like, hey, you were supposed to pay this Georgia Power bill eight years ago and mm-hmm. it's still in my name and I didn't even know about it. That kind of thing. Gotcha. And just being lazy in college. Like, oh, oh college kills a I miss, lot of people. Yeah, I missed my credit card payment. No big deal. I'll just pay it next month. Right. Uh, I'm just going to go buy some heroin instead. <laughs> I know what you were that. doing in college, Chuck. Not that. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So uh, I guess that's about it, huh? Yeah. Um, One more piece of advice, which is actually good. Every few years, go uh, to the SSA website. And request a copy of your uh, earnings and benefit estimate statement. Yeah, have you heard of this before? No, and I've never done it, and I'm going to go do it today. All right, let's go do it together. We'll both go do yours together. <laughs> we'll be like, what? <laughs> I've been working since I was 13, so I imagine I'm doing pretty good. Nice. Oh, we didn't talk about that. Um, the uh, system is weighted. The whole reason it was instituted was to help um, make sure that people don't fall through the cracks or whatever, yeah. and to help the poor more than the, the wealthy. Um, although you get more money out the more money you put in, right? Which is based on your income. So the right. more you make, the more you pay in. But it's also disproportionately weighted so that the people who are earning the least mm-hmm. get uh, a disproportionate amount out to help them. Correct, Amundo. Which is great. It's socialism at its finest, as you <laughs> said. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. That's Social Security numbers and pretty much Social Security. 
I, yeah, I don't think we need to back. do that again. Okay. Hats off to FDR. Hurrah, New Deal. Hurrah. Great Society. Um, Chicken in every pot. That was uh, Hoover. A number on every forehead. <laughs> nice, Chuck. Thank you. We'll end it with that one. If you want to know more about Social Security numbers, you can read this exhaustive article about them um, by typing in Social Security in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which means it's time for listener mail. Josh, I'm going to call this following up on zero. That one got a lot more uh, attention than I thought. All the math nerds came out and yeah. were like, zero. Very happy that we did that. And one such nerd emailed us. Um, this is Steven, and he says, I think I might be able to put your mind to rest on a couple of those zero properties. And a lot of people try to explain this, and I think he did the best. Uh, first, dividing by zero, I find it helpful to think of division as separating objects into containers. See, this guy is like talking up my alley. Yeah, containers. I can, yeah, I can visualize stuff a lot better this way. So if you have five objects in five containers, uh, you would put one object in each container. You still have the same number of objects, but divided evenly across containers. Okay. Now, if you have five objects in no containers, in other words, dividing by zero, okay. you still have all the same objects, but they have not been put anywhere. Uh, you can't say that you'd put uh, zero per container because it's not a lack of items, but rather a lack of containers. So dividing by zero means you have things, but nothing to contain them, so a ratio cannot be formed. Awesome. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, as for the raising to the zeroth, zeroth power, um, this is uh, one because our basis of numerology is the number one. All things larger are functions of how many ones it holds, and all things larger define how many need to be combined to form a one. <laughs> this combined with the fact that exponents don't describe a multiplication, but rather a number of times a base measurement will be multiplied by a factor means that if the base measurement is never multiplied by the factor, you are left with the base alone. So there you have it. It's tempting to think of these numbers as one to the power, but unfortunately this is wrong. Can you go over that again? No. <laughs> I can't. Uh, that is from Stephen, uh, a junior software engineer. Thanks, Stephen. So I will take him at his word. Yeah, he sounds like he's uh, got it down. Yeah, the containers. That makes total sense to me now. Yeah. So there you have it. So uh, thanks, Stephen, junior software engineer. We are looking forward to you becoming a senior software engineer, Try. likely in the near future from your email. <laughs> um, and uh, if you have some sort of illumination um, about a previous podcast. doesn't matter how old it is. We always like hearing new stuff about old stuff. Sure. Um, you can send it in an email to, uh, well, first tweet to us, okay? S-Y-S-K podcast, facebook.com slash stuff you should know, and then the email, stuffpodcast at discovery.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? 
Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.